Deep inside every one of us is a lion waiting to be unleashed. Are you ready to be unleashed into your destiny? As we stand on the edge of time, the web of deception is being unraveled. Carl Joseph offers you the red pill and the keys to unlock the shackles of your mind. Get ready to be transformed by God's supernatural power. Let's join him now. Friend, remember a few weeks back when I introduced the religion of Islam to you, how it started in the Arabian desert and described its founder, Ubul Qasim, also known as Muhammad, who was born in Mecca in Saudi Arabia in 570 AD. May I also remind you that the term Allah stemmed from the pantheon of deities worshipped by the local Bedouins in the vicinity of Arabia. So frustrated, in fact, was Muhammad that he stripped Mecca of all these other deities, leaving one which he called Allah, and this stone which bears his name is still housed within the Kaaba to this very day. By worshipping this idol of stone within the black and white box in Mecca, they've exchanged the worship of the Creator for the creation, as Romans chapter 1 warns us against. But friend, today we're going to switch gears and talk about what is actually written within the pages of the Quran and discuss the very revelations that supposedly spawned from the angel Gabriel and transcribed by Muhammad over a 20-year period. But friend, this was not the angel Gabriel of the Bible, because Paul warned us, if an angel preached any other gospel in Galatians 1.8, let them be accursed. The canon of scripture was closed just prior to the turn of the first century AD, and no new revelations were required. Either Muhammad chose not to heed the warnings of the apostle Paul, or he was totally oblivious to them. In fact, when Islam came on the scene in the 6th century AD, the Bible was locked up in the cloistered recesses of monasteries all around Europe and far from the hands of the common people. Only the priest could supposedly read the Bible without going mad, and they claimed the common man was simply unable to comprehend the Word of God for himself. But we know that a 12-year-old child can read the Bible, friend, and understand it. It was, in fact, during this time of apparent Christian weakness toward the end of the 6th century, when people were in polygamous religious bondage, that a fallen angel, posing as Gabriel, came to the earth, unleashing a religion whose mandate is to kill and destroy, and whose writings are housed within the very pages of the Quran. But does the Quran, which millions of Muslims hold dear, and even on par with the Bible in their eyes, actually teach love, peace, and harmony with other religions and cultures? Or are these so-called Islamic extremists that we see on television actually carrying out the instructions of the Prophet Muhammad literally? Could the people who performed the recent terror attacks all across Europe really be extremists or actually compliant with the written instructions and commands of Muhammad? Are they in fact justified in their beliefs by killing innocent men, women and children who are not followers of Allah? And where exactly does it say this in their writings? Friend, this is a very dangerous broadcast today, because if I were proclaiming this on the internet or in my homeland of Great Britain, it would most assuredly be censored or labeled as hate speech by our politically correct media outlets who are often lacking the truth. But it is my job to tell you the truth, friend, and that's what I'm going to do today. We are going to get into actual excerpts from both the Quran and the Hadith, and I'll let you decide whether or not Islam is in fact a peaceful religion or not. You're never going to hear any of these verses from the news reporters who continue to tout the so-called peaceful teachings of Islam. 
The reality is that the majority of Muslims are peaceful. They want to go about their lives, take their children to school. They have jobs like everybody else. But many of these people have never likely read the contents of the Quran for themselves, or they simply choose not to follow its tenets. The common belief in the news media, unfortunately, is that Islam is a, quote, peaceful religion. However, if one reads the statutes which the Quran harbors, you'll soon realize that it's far from peaceful. Once again, we're not talking about the Muslim people here today who identify with the book, but each person is unique. There are many devout Muslims who are peace-loving, but that's because they've chosen the moral high ground of not taking Muhammad's words literally. We must make the distinction that fortunately not all Muslims hearken to the literal words of Muhammad, for which we are most grateful. Most Muslim people could be described as orthodox, moderate, traditional, or even tolerant, and they don't agree with many of the radical verses within the Quran or the Hadith. Now, the Quran is the most holy book regarded by Muslims, and the Hadith is a record of the traditions or sayings of the Prophet Muhammad. In Arabic, Hadith literally means to report, and is also a major source of religious law and moral guidance for Muslims, second only to the Quran, considered the most holy book of Islam. You could say the Hadith is basically a biography of Muhammad, perpetuated by those that surrounded him and recorded by observers. However, the Quran is the recitation of the so-called inspired words of Muhammad received from the angel Gabriel. But like I said, he's no angel from Almighty God, friend, but merely an imposter who came to deceive mankind by forming another gospel, and the world has been reeling in terror ever since. Let us now examine the contents of the Quran itself. Now, the Quran is split by many surahs or chapters, some of which I will quote for you now. And friend, if you've never heard any of these verses before, buckle your seatbelt, because some of you will no doubt be shocked to the bone at its contents. In Surah 2, verse 216, it says, Fighting is prescribed for you, and you dislike it, but it is possible that you dislike a thing which is good for you, and that you love a thing which is bad for you. But Allah knows, and he knows not. Not only does this verse establish that violence can be virtuous, but it also contradicts the myth that fighting is intended only in self-defense. Here's another quote, Surah 3, verse 151. Soon shall we cast terror into the hearts of the unbelievers, for that they join companions with Allah, for which he had sent no authority. Let's go to Surah 8, verse 12. And I'm quoting from the Quran. I will cast terror into the hearts of those who disbelieve Islam. Therefore, strike off their heads and strike off every fingertip of them. Friend, it doesn't get any more explicit than that, does it? The beheading of people has long been a tradition within Islam and comes from this very verse right here. Surah 4, verse 76. Those who believe fight in the cause of Allah. Those who follow Christ, however, friend, love people in the name of Jesus. Jesus never called us to fight. He asked us to love unconditionally and turn the other cheek, turning away from violent acts. Surah 5, verse 33. The punishment of those who wage war against Allah and his messenger and strive to make mischief in the land is only this, that they should be murdered or crucified or their heads and their feet should be cut off on opposite sides or they should be imprisoned. This shall be as a disgrace for them in this world and in the hereafter they shall have a grievous chastisement. Unquote. 
Absolutely incredible. The complete and justifiable sanctioned murder of innocents for the cause of Allah, as recorded by the bloodthirsty Muhammad, makes us realize why these Islamic terrorists take their lives and the lives of others as they're simply obeying the clear mandate outlined by their sacred text. Here's some verses calling to fight. Surah 8, verse 65. O Prophet, exhort the believers to fight. Surah 9, verse 41. Go forth, light-armed and heavy-armed, and strive with your wealth and your lives in the way of Allah. That is the best for you, if you but knew. Surah 9, verse 123. O you who believe, fight those of the unbelievers who are near to you, and let them find you in your hardness. Let me share some verses with you now, friend, from the Hadith, which comprise of the sayings of Muhammad. In Sahih Bukhari 52.220, it says, Allah's Apostle said, I have been made victorious with terror. In Sahih Muslim 31.5918, it says, I will fight them until they are like us. Then in Tabiri 969, killing unbelievers is a small matter to us. Then in Hishim 992, fight everyone in the way of Allah and kill those who disbelieve in Allah. And finally, in Sahih Bukhari 52.177, it says, The hour will not be established until you fight with the Jews, and the stone behind which a Jew will be hiding will say, O Muslim, there is a Jew hiding behind me, so kill him. Friend, I could go on and on with the numerous quotes, either from the Quran or Hadith, instructing its followers to kill unbelievers and fight in the name of Allah. But don't take my word for it, friend. Do your own research. Grab a copy of the Quran and look up these verses for yourself. You will quickly realize I'm quoting verbatim the very words of Muhammad and his bloodthirsty agenda to conquer by the sword. So much so, in fact, that the Hadith outlines that paradise is under the shades of swords. The problem, friend, is not bad people, but bad ideology. The teachings of Islam breed nothing but confusion, a lack of acceptance by God, not knowing whether they will reach heaven or not, as it is a works-based religion. Allah is capricious, indifferent, unreliable, distant, and abstract. By my count, there are over 100 verses in the Quran alone that call Muslims to war with non-believers for the sake of establishing Islamic rule or Sharia law within the land they inhabit, and they are not conformist to the laws of the land but seek to establish their own. Muhammad exposes those who are not willing to chop off the heads or fingers of unbelievers as hypocrites, and Allah will send them to hell unless they're willing to take up the fight. Muslim nations are well known for their brutal attacks on other religions in their countries, and it all stems from the creed they follow. If the literal interpretation of Muhammad's sayings is accepted, then jihad or war with unbelievers is clearly perpetual and sanctioned by him as an act of obedience to the ever-bloodthirsty Allah, whose sacrifice for the innocents is seemingly unrelenting. Muhammad claimed that the Bible was corrupted by the Jews and the Christians and is not reliable. Only his Quran is the true word of God. Yet within its pages, it instructs that killing non-believers is totally warrantable, with their value being on par with that of a dog or a cow. In fact, the only dictate is to wage war or jihad with the non-believers, to which there is no end. Friend, if you scour the Quran, you'll find very few verses that teach on peace or tolerance with other religions. Their religion, if taken word for word, is one most assuredly of conquest by the sword. And when you see Islamic terrorists shouting Allah Akbar as they commit murder-suicide, they're literally taking Muhammad at his word, 
killing unbelievers. Right now, there's a new war waging within the borders of Europe, as it did long ago. In 732 AD, Charles Martel withheld the invading Muslims at the Battle of Tours and stopped the progress of Islam in Europe. The Crusades ran from the 11th until the end of the 13th centuries. Millions of people suffered and died on both sides, yet today that crusade is rising again within the very borders of sovereign nations and by those who are even citizens of the nations. Yet now today we see Muslims living amongst us, and once again the majority are peaceful people, yet there will always be an element who will take up the sword for Allah. In my nation of Great Britain, perhaps only 2% of the people are born again and have chosen to put their faith in Christ. It saddens me greatly that Britain has abandoned its Christian heritage and in doing so, this vacuum has been filled by elements of radical Islam extremists that are almost impossible to identify before the terrorist attacks occur. The truth is, it's a spiritual battle firstly, friend, which eventually manifests in the natural realm. And because Europe has given herself over to secularization, this spiritual battle is being lost. Right now, there are over 700,000 Muslims in London alone, and there are also 300 mosques in the city and counting. Many old churches are being converted to mosques, and the people are indifferent, because to them Christianity is as inept as the archaic and dilapidated structures it once housed. Whereas Muslims remain passionate for the cause of Allah, and are surprised by the apathy of the British people to their own religion of Christianity. The truth is, friend, the gospel was meant for all mankind, not just for Christians. In our everyday lives, we need to love on Muslims. Let them know there's a true and almighty God who wants to know them intimately, and they don't need to slay anyone to be assured of a passage to heaven. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who's witnessed God's supernatural power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl is a unique researcher who investigates current affairs, societal trends, technology, cults, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button 